0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today we're going to introduce you to one of the leading Republican candidates for governor in the state of Michigan. Yes, the state where Governor Gretchen Whitmer currently rules. She's a governor with a lot of controversies, right? She's had a campaign finance scandal. She's had a nursing home death scandal related to COVID-19. She's the woman trying to stop the Enbridge 5 pipeline from going through the state, even though the state regulators or even the environment say it doesn't pose a significant threat. This is uh, one of the most closely watched gubernatorial races in the country. And joining us today is my friend, the former host of a show on Real America's Voice, where I do a lot of work, Tudor Dixon. She'll be joining us and she has lots to talk about. She's got big policy ideas for Solving unemployment, bringing back economic renewal to the great state of Michigan, addressing critical race theory. And we're going to ask her about what I think is one of the most important stories on the site at Just the News today. If you haven't seen this, check it out. The headline is Michigan School District Promotes Black Lives Matter, Bail Donations, and Equity Challenge. Farmington Public Schools also tells community that calling America the, quote, land of opportunity. You ready for this? (laughs) I'm not making this up. Is a form of microaggression. You are offending people when you call the United States of America a land of opportunity. That is what a public school district in the heartland of America, Farmington, is saying. Just think about that. I know you got. You almost have to exhale for a second. Say, "Whoa! Well, uh, you're joking, me Solomon? You messing around with me?" And the answer is, "No, I'm not. This is real." So, Farmington Public Schools. It's right outside of Detroit. It had a 21-day equity challenge. Anyone day, equity challenge. Equity is a code word for critical race theory. It's sort of the euphemism for critical race theory. And they offered it to participants, which include teachers and students. And the offer was to get the chance to quote, deliberately focus on issues of equity on a daily basis through a series of learning and reflection activities. You know, I like reflection, but I'd rather have my kids or students be learning about skills, knowledge, Facts, information that make them ready for the real world. Reflection is off all the time for parents, for churches, for mosques, for temples. But, you know, all right, I get it. So the moment of reflection in school, nothing wrong with that, right? Until you start to hear what they're reflecting on. All right. What are they reflecting on? How about the issues of race and class privilege? Uh-oh, that is that is definitely a critical race theory. Oh, wait, 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 there's more. Uh, gender and sexuality. Do we need to have our kids thinking about sexuality when they're in kindergarten or fourth grade or seventh grade the third day is equality is giving everyone a shoe equity is giving it everyone a shoe that fits all right i gotta say i gotta go to my podiatrist to figure out what that means i don't know but all right uh day seven uh whiteness is the preferred norm in america uh okay That's the the topic. And the video, they showed a video during that for those who oppose transgender people going into the opposite bathroom of their biological sex at what appears to be a blob of ghosts pointing threateningly at a child who's holding a football but thinking of being a ballerina. Wow, this feels like propaganda, right? A lot of people, that's what people were saying. Uh, What are we talking about? They say that gender is really a complex interrelationship between three dimensions, body, identity, and social gender. All right. I thought gender was your physical gender. God gave you the body parts he gave you, and that was your gender, right? That was your sex. It was so much easier maybe when I was younger, but this is the sort of stuff. But here is the line that everybody has zeroed in on. We've seen this, listen. we saw this in the Missouri School District, lots of other places, but listen to this line. Microaggressions are the everyday verbal, nonverbal, and environmental slights, snubs, or insults, whether intentional or unintentional, that communicate hostile, derogatory, and negative messages to target persons based solely upon their marginalized group membership. What the, I can read, I know what it says, but I, I, I don't know. All right, here comes some of those microaggressions. There's only one race, the human race. America's a melting pot. The myth of meritocracy. Meritocracy is a microaggression. I believe the most qualified person should get the job. That's a microaggression. I'm not. That, that's what they're teaching these kids. Everyone can succeed in the society if they work hard enough. And the last of the microaggressions that they called out in this training: America is the land of opportunity. Now, I'm confused by this because these are the same liberals that say those people trying to invade through the south border legally cross our border in the south are coming here because of the opportunity. We should give it to them. And now we're telling them this isn't a land of opportunity. I am so confused. i sure you are. In fact, maybe this is designed to confuse our children, to turn them against the United States and America, and all of that is good there. This has been going on, right? We've seen this in Seattle, in Cupertino, California, Springfield, Missouri, where Justin News did a lot of work with teachers who had to be oppressed by going through an oppression matrix. That English-speaking Christian males who are white are an oppressor class, an oppressor class. All right. Now, some people are fighting back. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, one of them, the Texas governor, Texas legislature, the Missouri legislature, the Missouri attorney general, Eric Schmidt, a lot of fighting back, a lot of saying, we're not going to teach this stuff in schools, but... Michigan has been allowing it, right? Gretchen Whitmer has been pretty quiet. We're going to hear from somebody who's not so quiet on these issues in just a few seconds. Joining me in a few seconds is Tudor Dixon, a former co-host of one of the great shows on Real America's Voice, one of the networks that Justin News has partnered with. And she'll be here to talk about all of these extraordinary moments and, and issues and opportunities. What is the alternative to what this Farmington School District is doing? What's the alternative to closing down the Enbridge Pipeline? What's the alternative to some of the regulatory fiat that has said that? What's the alternative to the Gretchen Whitmer COVID regimen? And how does Michigan have a 5.9% unemployment rate when Christy Noam in South Dakota has a 2.7% unemployment rate or Oklahoma 2.4%. Yes, there is a difference in red and blue states and it's more than policy, it's in the outcomes. Good ideas create greater outcomes. <laughs> that maybe that violates or maybe that's a microaggression, I don't know, maybe I just engaged in a microaggression, but whatever the case is, listen, you're not going to want to miss this interview. Tudor Dixon is a very thoughtful, substantive political leader, someone who's going to make waves in one of the most closely watched gubernatorial races of 2022. We're going to spend the whole time on this podcast with her today, right after this commercial break. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As promised, a very special guest, someone who is already turning up the political stage in the great state of Michigan. Joining me right now is gubernatorial candidate, Republican gubernatorial candidate, Tudor Dixon, my good friend, someone we work together with at Real America's Voice. Tudor, welcome to the show.
1: And thank you for having me. Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas to you as well. So this has been a remarkable year in Michigan. And when we look back, the Whitmer administration has had so many black eyes, whether it's over nursing homes, over a campaign finance scandal, over businesses being constantly pinned down by regulation. What caused you? You're, you're making a pretty big transition from being a television star to going in, uh, in the news space to going in and running for governor. What, what was the tipping point for you So you know, I just got to jump into politics and fix all the things I'm seeing?
1: Well, actually, you know, this, this transition was sort of slow. It happened over time because I had always been in manufacturing, always been in steel manufacturing. And in 2017, I moved into the political world in a sense because we started a company to go into middle and high school and offer an alternative media that was telling kids, You know, this is why America is great rather than this indoctrination of telling students that they needed to hate their country and and turn against their country. So that started then. And then, as you know, I I joined Real America's Voice. And what a blessing to be able to have a voice every day as a conservative and interview congressmen and senators and and have arguments or or civil disagreements with Democrats on the air. And as I got deeper and deeper into that, I said, look at Michigan. Even the things that I was seeing years ago as a salesperson in, in steel with workforce problems, we had it at our foundry. And then when I was selling to machine shops, they were having workforce issues. And after the pandemic, this just went crazy. But a lot of things happened after the pandemic. All of a sudden, The Democrats started to really push their progressive agenda. We have a new president in the White House who seems to be willing to go as far left as as humanly possible. And it seems like we need to take this country back. We have the right people to do it. I have a a very interesting background with my my small business background, being a mom of four, and then also (laughs) having this experience in the media. I was like, let's do this.
0: Yeah. No, it's amazing. And the, that business background, uh, when you look at how much the business climate has become more hostile in Michigan over the last four or five years, it's a real issue. I mean, I, I go back. I'm old enough to remember the days of John Engler, where there was a real economic boom after the Rust Belt um uh, recession and Michigan was really you know, attracting businesses. I think Wisconsin and M- Michigan, between Engler and Thompson, were you know, blazing the path of hey, if you just make common sense regulations, not uh, uh, you know suffocating regulations, people will come back to the state to do business. What has Gretchen Whitmer done to make Michigan less attractive to uh, businesses? Because the data's there. There's no doubt businesses are leaving and unhappy. What's she done? What's her what's her potion?
1: Well, it's interesting you ask that question because we, as I go across the state, I talk to small businesses because Michigan is one state in the nation that is, is almost solely built on small businesses. So we're, we're probably the number one state in the nation to be built on small businesses. So what the governor does with overregulation really matters. And as I go around and I talk to people in the state, I say to them, could you build this business today in this environment? They always say no. There's no way they could because he has gone into agencies that are, re- remember, these agencies are not run by elected officials so you have the bureaucracy in the environmental agency even she even took over our health agencies so you have health and human services going in and shutting people down and citing people she had an osha shameless so during the pandemic osha she had osha put up a new website of just companies that they felt had gone against the covid rules and then shamed them and said what their fine was. And if they admitted to the fact that they went against these rules, their fine could be cut in half. I mean, this is how twisted this is. And we've even heard that the Environmental Agency made an announcement at the beginning of Whitmer's reign saying that our agriculture industry, which is in many years our number one industry in the state, our agriculture industry is going to be a target for the Environmental Agency, our agriculture industry. I mean, think about going after an entire industry. And much of Michigan is built on agriculture. And these are, these are not companies that are overwhelmingly wealthy. And so they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to try to please Governor Whitmer's bureaucracy, and they can't do it. Our farmers tell me all the time, if we could move our land, we would not be in Michigan. Well, guess what? Manufacturers, builders, those guys, they can leave. And they are. And we're not bringing people back because once they're gone, it's really hard to get new business here. And when you go out into the into the nation and you say, come to Michigan, they look at Michigan and they say, you can't provide me a workforce and you're going to kill me on regulation when I try to get permits to build I'll go someplace that's much more friendly. We saw that with Ford just last month or two months ago.
0: Isn't that amazing? You said something and it reminded me of a very famous businessman who said something very similar at the end of the Obama year. Home Depot founder Bernie Marcus said, you know what? I couldn't start Home Depot today at the end of the Obama administration because of this regulatory fiat. It would just be impossible to be successful. You're seeing that sort of same dynamic in Michigan. Are businesses starting to speak up? Uh, Do they have the courage to say, you know what? We want to stay in Michigan, but uh, we don't like what's being treated here. We don't like how we're treated. We can't survive here.
1: Well, that's why you see the legislature has just signed these NDAs to pass this new billion dollar program to get business here. The governor has also signed an NDA. But you know what, John? I don't like that. I don't like the idea of our elected officials signing non disclosure agreements that they're going to try to go after companies and bring them here. And I spoke to Governor Angler about this. He said, Tudor, if you don't have the right foundation in place, doesn't matter how much money you throw at a company to come there you can't make them happy you're not going to be able to make a company happy without workers without employees that just doesn't work and so right now we have a governor who is saying let's do something that the, the people of michigan cannot see and ultimately it does that doesn't even work. So you have a governor who ran on transparency, who's now saying, I want to go behind the curtain and do all the work behind the curtain that the Michigan people can't see. And ultimately, we on the outside as business people know that will fail anyway. So if you can't build back your foundation, and a lot of that goes to education in this state, John, because if we can't get our education back on track and be graduating students that can read there's no workforce to be had. And we've got years of this under our belt of, of graduating students that just aren't prepared to go into the workforce. And then the students that are, are going to our universities and we're not keeping them in Michigan. They're leaving the state. We have to build our foundation up in education, build our workforce, and then bring business here. And those things all have to happen in that, in that order or we can't be a prosperous state.
0: Yeah, such an important dynamic, and I think people are waking up to the, perhaps COVID-19 more than anything else. The pandemic really opened folks' eyes to to that dynamic. I want to go to something you talked about with agriculture. We just did a TV special on the impact of rising energy prices, and, and we had the Montana Attorney General and he said, you know, the sector no one's looking at that is getting killed by energy prices. is the agriculture sector, because it's not just the fuel they put in the tractors and the trucks. It's also the fertilizer costs have, in some cases, gone up 50 or 60%. You have a governor that seems to want to put more pressure on the prices of energy by shutting down a, a pipeline there. Tell us what's going on there and how you would have approached Pipeline 5 very differently.
1: Well, Enbridge, the company that owns Line 5, will tell you, and, I, and we've sat down with them and they've said, look, we, we don't have a safety issue right now, but to upgrade our pipeline, we're willing to put in a tunnel in the straits of mackinac that we'll spend half a million dollars or even a billion dollars to create this tunnel and then we will run our pipeline through this safe tunnel We will gift this tunnel to the state of Michigan and allow them to put any utilities they want through this tunnel. And we will continue to be in charge of the maintenance for the tunnel. Wow, what a gift. But let me tell you what happens if you get rid of this pipeline. Because they said, you know, 60, 70 years ago, we were doing studies saying taking oil on barges is not the safest thing. What can we do to make it safer? And the pipeline was the safest thing. You shut down the pipeline. All of a sudden, all of this goes to New Orleans. And for Michigan to get any of this fuel, it has to go on a barge around Florida to New England and be shipped back to Michigan. So the prices are going to go way up. Yes. All of a sudden, let me, let me tell you how this Circular hits. travel. And all of our jet fuel for Grand Rapids, for Lansing, for Detroit, this is coming from Line 5. So now it's going to be four to five times the cost to fly to Michigan. We already have issues getting people into this state, so we're going to make it even harder. But another industry that's going to be hit hard by this that people don't think about, all of your plastic injection molders are here. So all of the interiors of your cars are being made in Michigan. The starter chemicals for all of those plastics come out of Toledo, straight from Line 5. We shut down Line 5. Those people can no longer be competitive because I know what it's like to be in this industry. You can't raise your prices 3 to 5 to 10% to the automotive industry. So they're going to move closer to New Orleans, where they can get the product cheaper, and we lose in Michigan again. So now you have one in five homes in the UP being heated by propane that comes to Line 5. We don't have that access anymore. You have our plastic injection molders. You have our jet fuel. Everything's shut down from Line 5, and our refineries will close. So we're talking in the Midwest over 30,000 jobs we lose by shutting down this pipeline. People say, well, she'll put it on trucks. There's not 2,200 trucks a day that we can find. First of all, we don't have the drivers and the environmental impact of that is devastating to the Midwest.
0: Much worse carbon footprint. I mean, all those trucks. Yeah, it does the opposite of what the climate people are saying they're trying to achieve.
1: Right, exactly.
0: So any doubt, if you're a governor, you're going to let Enbridge go through, right? You're going to revive that, get that going, make sure it happens.
1: 100 percent. They are partnering with the state of Michigan. The environmental agencies in Michigan have approved all their permits. Everybody who is in the know on how the environment works says this is safe. But guess what? It's a really good narrative for the Democrats. So they think that they can sell it to people who aren't in the know, who aren't listening to or reading the reports. They think they can sell that this is an environmental disaster when all of the specialists are saying it's not. It's a pretty twisted situation we've got here. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I spent a lot of time in the Midwest and a lot of times I used to hear, you know what? It doesn't matter whether you send a Republican or a Democrat to Washington or to the State House, It doesn't really make a difference. They're all the same. And that's really not true. And I was really struck by this the other day because I had Governor Christy Noman from the great state of South Dakota. And it was the day that unemployment came out and her unemployment in her state is 2.75 percent, which, by the way, is more than 100 percent less than Michigan at 5.9%. You've been really talking about the need to create jobs in Michigan, something that Whitmer really has failed at. What do you think will be the key components of your Build, Mich- Build Michigan's workforce backup?
1: Well, you mentioned unemployment, and that's a really interesting situation. You may have heard that our governor had a $3.9 billion blunder on unemployment she earlier did. this year. Yes, because and she was warned by the federal government. You have people that are ineligible for unemployment. Now, she says, oh, I'm going to clean this up because I put a new head over unemployment. Look, I've said before about the other agencies, she does not have the right people, and she wants, to, she wants to continue her voter base. So if she can keep her voter base on the government dole, she's very happy. So she continues to allow people on unemployment that are ineligible. I have businesses across the state that say, we get people sent to us by our, our um, unemployment agencies and say, these people want jobs. And they come and we hire them. And then the first day they don't show up and we go back to the agency and we say, you got to turn this person in so that they're off of unemployment. And they say, we're not allowed to do that. We have a very big mess with unemployment where people can game our system. And so we have many, many people who should not be on the system receiving money from and, and this is money that other Michiganders are paying to keep people on unemployment. And so they're taking this money and they're staying home. We've got to clean up our unemployment situation so that we can get Michiganders back to work. And there is a pride in working that changes the whole dynamic of the state, especially in some of our lower income communities. Those people are back working. It, it builds this pride in community. And, and John, to go back to those communities, if we could make it easier for people to do business in the state and start businesses in the state, we can go into those communities like Donald Trump had been talking about with the platinum plan, go into those communities and build, have, Have the people, the members of that community have the access to build up their communities with their own businesses? That's what we want to do in this state.
0: Yeah, there's nothing more empowering than building your own wealth, building your own income, building your own future. And a lot of times when you look at what some of these governments in these states are offering, the best they're telling you, is, you know, the best you're ever going to do is you're always going to be on welfare. But we'll get you. We'll keep you on welfare. Don't worry. We got you covered. And right. it, it, well, you have to be. You it's demoralizing be. and crushing to hear to hear that that's yeah. the best you're ever going to do. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come right back with more with Tudor Dixon right after we hear from these great sponsors and advertisers who, by the way, make the show, make this interview, make just the news possible. Support them. Listen up. and protect your most important asset, the equity, in your home. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward in investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they have also helped block a federal takeover of elections. and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. All right, we're back for the conclusion of our interview with Tudor Dixon you're a mama four. You care about education. You uh, you have a, you're a woman of deep faith. I want to ask you about a story that's on our site today here at Just the News. Uh, the Michigan School District of Farmington Public Schools had a 21 day campaign that promoted Black Lives Matter inc- encouraged. Uh, students and teachers to make donations to bail, to get people out of prison, and perhaps most starring to me when I read this, I had to read it twice to make sure I wasn't misreading it. They were telling people that if you call America the land of opportunity, you're engaged in microaggression, you're offending people. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I mean, one of the things that we're running on in this state is bringing back the American dream. So if you can't call America the land of opportunity, then you know, what is the future for America? That is truly what that is a motto we have always had. But but think about the manipulation of this, because it's a very, uh, these are all very calculated moves. So if you can go into and this is why we got into the middle and high school space five years ago, because if you can go into those those grade levels, if you can get to middle schoolers and tell them you do not live In a nice country your country is broken then middle schoolers will go well we have to fix it and that's how you bring the progressive agenda in now i think we've seen this speed up because donald trump stood out there and said hey look they're trying to destroy the country and freedom loving americans went oh wait a minute we're not okay with that but now they're pushing even harder, and, they're, and it's a test. Every time you see one of these things in our schools, it's a test. And we've seen it across the state of Michigan. So if you go into Michigan, you'll see we all remember, and I'm sure many of your listeners remember, the 1619 Project. Of course. We had a, we had a parent come to us and say, hey, I'm going to forward you an email. We are a pilot program. Our class is a pilot class for the 1619 Project, and they send a message out saying the New York Times 1619 Project is going into your child's fifth-grade classroom. This is happening in Michigan. So imagine if they said Fox News has created the 1776 program where we're putting that in your child's classroom. Man, yeah. that would be national news. People it would sure say, would be. They'd man. be,
0: oh, no, you're not doing that.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this is a false history. So we're creating this, this uh, unrest amongst our young people. And your, your story on Farmington Hills goes on and on. You think about, you're telling students to, you should donate to bail efforts. Look at the people who were bailed out in, in Minneapolis. We have rapists, we have murderers. Yeah. They went on to, to commit more crimes like that. The and man say, right what? across
0: the way from in Wisconsin in Waukesha, right? The guy ends up killing six people a couple days after he tried to run over his girlfriend with the same car.
1: Exactly. Exactly. This is not there is a difference between criminal justice reform and letting dangerous criminals right back on the streets. And I think that that's where Republicans need to come in and say, hey, we believe in redemption and helping people become stewards of the community when they come out. This is not what we do. We do not let violent criminals go out and just continue to commit murder and commit rape. But that's what we're teaching these young people. This idea that you're going to tell people you can't talk about America being a great country, that you have, to, you have to back this Marxist society of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is a great name because of course we all believe that Black Lives Matter. But if you look at what that organization is, They want Marxism. They want to change that child's mind and say, we could do it better. And I know young people that have said to me, we haven't done socialism right. I'm like, nobody figured it out in all these years. Let me tell you, our founding fathers, were really intelligent. They had seen it all. They put together a government that worked for people in a way that nobody could ever have come up with before. And we need to preserve that because look at the success that we've had in this country, loving other people. When I was young, it it was all about love. Now it's all about division. Division is what destroys freedom.
0: Yeah, it's such an amazing thing. You become governor, you're elected governor, you're lucky enough to get that. Uh, How are you going to address critical race theory? Do you go in, uh, get legislation, legislature? Do you do an executive order? Uh, Will schools like the Farmington School District hear from you if you're governor that this sort of uh, curriculum is not going to be allowed anymore?
1: Yes, and we want that. You probably just saw that the governor of Pennsylvania vetoed the Transparency Act. I I feel strongly about the fact that parents should know what's happening in their schools. We had a school board member come to us and say, Could you ask parents to stop showing up at school board meetings because they're really getting scary? Well, what are you teaching in schools that they don't like? Well, we send out the survey and we're asking their gender and how often they've had sex and, and, and if they're having sex with the same sex and what kind of sex they're having, I said, what grade levels is this? 7th to 12th grade. But no. we, send parents, we send parents a note saying they can opt out. But you know what? Parents don't know what the survey is. They don't send them the survey. Right. They say we're sending a survey. So now we want to know what the survey is. And we have a right to that transparency as parents. We have a right to know this because he says to me, you have to understand. The school was so fortunate. We found out that 20% of seventh graders were having sex and parents didn't know. And I said, you have to understand as a parent, you just normalize that for 80% of students who hadn't thought about it. And we want to protect our children. So I believe in transparency. John, when I was in manufacturing, I manufactured parts for other companies. So if I made a part for Caterpillar, they said to me, I want to know every step of the process you're going to use to make this part. Why shouldn't a parent know every step of the process you're going to use to educate their child? That should be a natural transition that a child goes into school and the teachers are going to let you know how they're teaching them. We need transparency in our schools. I like what Governor DeSantis is doing. I don't necessarily believe in this idea that we should have critical race theory in universities and the federal government because you can ignore it because it's obviously seeping into every part of a society where it we're is. telling people that a certain race is a terrible race. And, and we fought so many years to make sure that we were all considered the same. I mean, that, that everybody should have the same opportunity. And now you're saying we should take opportunities away from certain children. That's unacceptable.
0: Man, such an important point. I think so many Americans and uh, Michiganders are going to agree with you on that on in a, a big scale. Uh, how do uh, Tutor, How do people follow what you're doing with your campaign? How do they get involved if they're inspired to to get behind you? What's what's the best way to stay in touch?
1: Our website is Tudordixon.com. We'd love to have people go there, and, and obviously, if you can contribute to to the campaign, Tudordixon.com is the place. At Tutor Dixon on social media find me on social media. We like to go out there and let you know what's happening in the state and in the nation, because we think it's a time to fight right now for that American dream.
0: Yeah, such an important thing. Well, Tudor, thank you so much. Great interview. It's a lot of news in here. Uh, You have a blessed and Merry Christmas, a happy new year. And shortly after the new year begins, I'm sure we're going to need to get you back on for more news.
1: That would be great. Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas. All right, folks, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day.
1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just to Do. So grateful you tuned in. I hope you learned a little bit. This Farmington public school thing has got me scratching my head. I mean, seriously, I'm scratching my head. How can saying something that's true, by the way, that America is a land of an opportunity to be an offensive microaggression. Who is teaching that stuff to our children? We got to call them out. We got to show them. You heard what Tudor said. We need more transparency. Parents should see the lessons that their children are getting every day. That's what she said. A very important message that I think a lot of everyday common sense Americans are probably going to connect with. I just, the more we do this work and we're so blessed. We have great, great reporters like Aaron Kliegman, who wrote the Michigan story, Greg Piper, who's done the Missouri story with me. We got to keep exposing what's going on in our schools because these children are being subjected to propaganda, to political indoctrination. And that's not what we want. We want our children to be informed, not indoctrinated. We want our children to be educated, not targeted for propaganda. We want them to... Be critical thinkers without having to embrace critical race theory. That's what most of the parents I interview as a journalist say, right? And somehow this Michigan School District, Farmington, has me scratching my head This can't be what most Americans want for their children. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're heading into a new era. Clearly, Tudor Dixon would like to change the outcome of that. All right. Have a great day. Remember, tomorrow's Christmas Eve. We are going to have another edition of John Solomon Reports. I'm proud. What we're going to do tomorrow, and I hope you enjoy it. I had an incredible conversation this week with some of the biggest leaders in the energy field. People like Interior Secretary David Bernhardt, who we've had on this show before, great expert the Montana Attorney General, Peter Navarro, Ron Johnson. And the reason we had this discussion is we got a lot of different crises going on in the world, you know, whether it's Russia at the Ukraine border, China at the Taiwanese saber rattling, inflation and runaway economic concern, lack of trust in government, lack of trust in media. You know, we can go through all of them, right? There's a lot of them. But one of them is not being talked enough about, except, where, oh, yeah, it's so expensive to go fill up your car, is we have a crisis in America, one that did not exist 12 years ago this day. What is it? It is more than just the price at the pumps. It is that American energy supplies are shrinking. Those created by America are shrinking. Those being imported from not so friendly countries like OPEC countries or, or Russia or uh, China or others is going up. America was energy independent last December. It's not energy independent this December. And we have rising inflation costs because as supply goes down, cost goes up. And you say, okay, well, that's just about the car. I'll put the car in the garage more. It's not. It's not. It's about the cost of everything. It's going to cost Amazon more to deliver those packages to your front door. It's going to cost the farmer more, not just to put diesel fuel into his tractor, but to buy fertilizer because fertilizer is built with, you're right, petroleum products, and we've just increased the cost 50-60% in the last year. So what we did is we stepped back. I had a great television conversation. We've now adapted it for radio. We hope you enjoy it. And that will be tomorrow's special for Christmas Eve. And then we'll be back next week will be a best of hit. So you get to hear some of the best, my favorite interviews and shows for the week. I hope you enjoy that. We'll be back officially on January 3rd. We'll be starting my TV show sometime soon after that. While you're celebrating with family and friends, I want to extend from Judy, my incredible wife, Josh, my incredible son, to all the colleagues I have here at Just the news and John Solomon reports. I want to extend, we want to extend, Mm -hmm. best wishes for a blessed Merry Christmas, for a happy and blessed New Year. We know these last couple of years have been hard. We've lost loved ones to a horrible disease. We've been locked in, forced to wear masks, had debates about things like taking shots. I got mine. Whether we got the right people in Washington, whether we have an election integrity. A lot of it can take energy out of you, can take your spirit out of you. But this is a moment, a holiday season to recharge. Whatever your faith is, whoever your family is, whoever your friends are, Take time in the next week to embrace and love them. I know a few families that this Christmas are saying goodbye to people who are on their final days of life suffering from a very unimaginable disease or or problems, and they're gonna say goodbye over this holiday, but they're gonna spend that holiday in the embrace of love, of warmth, of family. You should too. Every day should matter to us. You never know when someone you love or you're with is gonna be breathing their last breath. Give them love, let them know this holiday season. Enjoy, smile, play a game, watch a football game, put some of those Omaha Steaks on the grill or some of the wild Alaskan fish that I love from our good friends there, whatever you do. Have some time. Take some time. Enjoy. Have a merry, blessed Christmas. I thank you for your support, for your support of our advertisers, for reading just the news. We love you, and we want you to have a great, great holiday season. We'll be back with well, live shows once again on January 3rd. God bless you. Good night, and Merry Christmas. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite.
1: Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore